0: Today, on The Lab Report, are you worried that you might have a sensitivity? Or an allergy. Yeah, I am. Well, you're pretty sensitive. Yeah, but that's a different kind of sensitive.
1: Yeah, and we don't test for that. No. The world of medicine can be challenging. Clinicians and patients are always looking for more options, more effective treatments, and in the end, more answers. Functional and integrative medicine focuses on addressing root causes of disease. Here at Genova Diagnostics, we've watched this field evolve and grow for over 35 years. We've not only adapted, we've led. Join us as we talk about functional medicine, laboratory testing, and optimizing health. Welcome to the Lab Report.
0: No, I seriously saved your life that day. You did, I know. Because things get kind of if you would have come in the morning <laughs> with an air horn strapped to the bottom yeah. of your chair.
1: This is your heart would have
0: exploded.
1: Let's move on because it's a little bit. Hello. Hi. Welcome to the lab report. Welcome to
0: the lab report. My name is Michael Chapman. And I'm
1: Patty Devers. And we're here for Genova Diagnostics.
0: Yeah. And you can uh, listen to our show. Please do. If you like it.
1: Subscribe. Do that. Don't hit a like button because there is no like button, apparently.
0: No, but subscribe. You
1: You can review and rate.
0: And if you really like it, review, rate, leave a comment.
1: Ooh, yeah, those are
0: good. Comments are nice. Mm -hmm. And if you have a question, you want to connect with us, you want to submit a question of the day, you can email us, podcast at gdx.net. Yeah. That's how you do it. We like those. So um, what are we talking about today? Well,
1: because we've been doing so much GI and nutrition, we're still going to stay somewhat in that arena, but- Within
0: the vicinity. It's in the vicinity. We're going to talk about
1: food reactions, which aren't. Necessarily directly GI related, yet they are
0: food reactions. Yes. What does that encompass? Well,
1: I'm using the word food reaction because there's so much ridiculous confusion around the nomenclature and the wording of these things that I'm trying to be very exact and purposeful. Yeah, choosing and you're pronouncing
0: pronunci- these, these. Yeah, I'm trying to be purposeful. Pronouncing these things very well, unlike me with that last attempt. Michael, is that word in the dictionary? Yeah, thanks, Oliver. But Yeah, you're right. There's a lot of confusion with food reactions because people will use phrases like a food allergy, a food sensitivity, food intolerance, almost interchangeably sometimes. Right, And that's problematic. We don't want to be doing that. We want to be smarter than that, don't we? We do. And I think, you know, when we talk- You've got to be smarter. (laughs) We're always trying to be
1: smarter. But you talk about this specifically with functional medicine where you have skin conditions or atopic conditions, and it always comes to that it starts with the gut.
0: Yeah, it's a very naturopathic concept, honestly. Mm. Um, you know, it's very common where somebody comes in with skin eruptions or, or, or so many different complaints. And our old axiom is treat the gut first. Right. When in doubt, treat the gut. Right. Or whatever spinoff thereof. <laughs> but you get the point, right? I do. The gut's very important. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times, because the gut's main role is assimilating yeah. Nice. Yeah. an IFM word right there. Assimilating your food from uh, the external world, what you're putting in. And it's an interface it is. with the external world too. So it's constantly evaluating. And sometimes that involves immune activation, sometimes appropriate, sometimes not so appropriate.
1: Right. And sometimes...
0: Disproportionate.
1: Right. And sometimes... You I'm know, just gonna throw out. Oh my god!
0: Four polysyllabics, man.
1: Do you look at the Soros over there?
0: I do. <laughs>
1: but the bigger point is, patients eat specific foods. They start to feel bad. Sometimes they can pinpoint it. Sometimes they can't. And so it's always that question: Is our food
0: harming us? Ooh, Ooh. that's that's a great question. Is our food harming us?
1: Well. Let's start to define some terms before we even go any further, because unless we define these terms, it's going to be a bunch of confusion. Here.
0: Let's define some terms. And like I said, it's I'm, always very, a good I'm very to start. purposeful place Definitions. Yeah. Yeah. Let's start there. It's important. Okay. So, let's start with, let's define a food allergy.
1: Let's let's talk about food reactions even further back. There oh. are some that are
0: Sorry, immune related. Sorry, I just related. leaped right into it. You I did. apologize. No,
1: that's... I'm glad you did because that brings this point home, that there's a food reaction. Sometimes it's related to your immune system. It's immune-mediated. Sometimes it's non-immune-mediated. So sometimes a patient has a direct reaction to a food and clinicians are doing all of these immunoglobulin tests and they're completely negative.
0: Right. Because Because there's... It's not an immune response. Yeah.
1: So what are some examples of those non-immune related responses to food, Michael?
0: Well, a couple... Intolerance is the thing that comes to mind. Mm -hmm. So something like lactose intolerance is a situation where you are symptomatic based on the food that you eat, but it's not immune mediated. It's because you're lacking an enzyme. Right. It's an enzyme deficiency. So it's not that lactose by... Is triggering any sort of immune response. It's the fact that you're eating something that can't be broken down and absorbed, and it begs the question how much of the symptomatic presentation is based on the microbiome's reaction and fermentation of that particular lactose or whether it's something more like the chain osmotic change in the lumen uh based on the the presence of additional lactose molecules. That's uh, causing that.
1: Again, none of that stuff will be diagnosed on any serum antibody test. So it's important. And there are other non-immune mediated food reactions, things like histamine responses, right? There are foods that are high in histamine.
0: Yeah. Fermented foods are very high in histamine. Tomatoes come to mind. Eggplants. Yeah. And those have high histamine content just in the food itself. So... Um, that's certainly not immune mediated, but could be causing problems, especially for people with histamine intolerance. Yeah,
1: things like vasoactive amines and MSG. So, people have reactions to foods that have nothing to do with an immunoglobulin. So, to do one of those tests will be negative, and clinicians will say, but they're directly reacting to food. And our answer is, yeah, but there are non immune related reactions. So,
0: good clarification. Thank good you. starting point. Thank you. Way to back it up. Yes, sir. All right. Now then, can we can we move on to food allergy we,
1: now? No. Oh. Now we can move to immune-related food reactions, which now we're talking about immunoglobulins. We're talking about the immune system actual reacting with antibodies and immune immunoglobulins.
0: Right. And when you think about immunoglobulins, did you see that? I got it right that time. Look at you. That, that's a hard one so for me. I'm so
1: proud of you, Michael.
0: Anyway, when it comes to immunoglobulins, (laughs) there's lots of different kinds, Mm -hmm. right? There's IgGs, there's IgEs, IgMs, IgAs. So which one are we going to be focusing on or are we going to be focusing on multiple?
1: Well, we know that IgAs, immunoglobulins, immunoglobulin A's are made in mucosal surfaces. So you know, the lining of your gut, which is why we measure fecal secretory IgA in the mucosa in your mouth in specific areas that are mucus layered. So IgA's come from there. Yeah. IgM, that's kind of like the very first early arriver for any kind of an immune response. It kind of peaks and then it falls. So when it comes to specific food reactions that are immune mediated, we're going to focus on IgG's and IgE.
0: Right. And when you're trying to distinguish those two, IgG and IgE, they are associated with two types, two different types of food reactions, immune-mediated food reactions. The first one would be a food allergy, and this would be an IgE response. Immediate. Immediate response, right? So when you think of IgEs, you're thinking of... Type 4 hypersensitivity reaction where IgE binds to the mast cells, releases a bunch of histamine. Oh my gosh, down the road could lead to like anaphylaxis, that type of a thing.
1: Yeah, like I eat peanuts, I get hives, I get swelling, I can't breathe.
0: Doesn't always have to be that severe. And sometimes people are walking around with IgE allergies they're not even aware of because they're just not a high grade of severity. That happens.
1: And they can rapidly advance without notice. So Scary. Very
0: scary. Um, but that's what we're talking about when we're talking about food allergy is an IgE response, something that could be done through a blood test, a blood IgE against that particular antigen. And that's very commonly done through an allergist. Um, and it's very important that you're not using the phrase food allergy when you're talking about food sensitivity.
1: And I will say you have a patient who has a, a specific immediate reaction, and you're going to do a a test, a serum IgE test Uh to some type of antigen. Uh It's important to note that IgEs circulating in your system have a very short half-life.
0: Oh, yeah. They don't live a long time. Yeah,
1: like three days. So if someone has an immediate reaction to a food and they haven't consumed it in the very recent past when you test them, it's possible to be falsely negative, and we get that a lot on the phone. Yeah. I know my patient has a peanut allergy that's immediate and this test is negative. And we say, well, clearly they're avoiding it.
0: That's yeah. why
1: this is there's no immune response to it.
0: And the caveat to that is don't bring something into somebody's diet that they're allergic to for the purpose of testing, right? It's like the mm. the bad doctor in that particular situation would be like, Oh, you mean they have to be eating it? Okay, so next time I'll have them eat some peanuts and then we'll be able to see It's like, no. You don't want to be exposing them to the things they're <laughs> allergic to, just so you can see it show up on a test. If you know they're allergic to it, keep it out of the diet.
1: Yeah, unless you're feeling lucky. But the other way, <laughs> the other way.
0: I would not support that.
1: No, we can't promote that. <laughs> but some allergists do skin prick testing to specific antigens, looking for allergies, IgEs, right? Right. And they actually get an antigen and they inject it or they put it under the skin. Locally. Had it done? Yeah. Have you?
0: Yeah. Wow. It's not fun. No. It's very itchy.
1: Yeah, that wheel response. But the problem is, again, because we know this can, you know, rapidly advance to any kind of reaction, these are a little bit trickier and need to be a little bit more closely watched with a specialist in an allergist office with backup there. So when we think about what's a way to test an IGE, that's one way. Yeah. And another way is a serum test, which is fairly safe. Yeah.
0: But can yes. be
1: negative if you've avoided that food.
0: Correct. True story. I used to get uh, allergy shots. You did? Yeah. For,
1: what were you allergic For to? For years.
0: I'm allergic to a lot of things. I'm allergic to like pretty much the environment. Uh, trees, grasses, dust, Sunlight. animals. People. <laughs> exactly. People wearing <laughs> polka dotted dresses.
1: Conversation.
0: Uh, certainly. Most definitely. But... Um, so I was getting allergy shots for almost a year and there was one day they had just bumped up cause you know, it's desensitization. So you go a period of time with one concentration then they bump up the concentration. And I remember it was shortly after they had bumped up the concentration, I was driving back and all of a sudden I, my lungs started filling up Whoa. with fluid <clears throat> and I was having a hard time. Like. I was just like coughing and coughing and coughing. I immediately turned around and they, they just watched me for a little bit, but it was really quite no, quite frightening.
1: No, if I worked in the emergency department and saw anaphylaxis. It's so scary. It's yeah. so scary. And so with that, when when patients do our serum food antibody IgE tests and anything shows up, our recommendation is what, Michael?
0: The recommendation is going to be that that person needs to avoid that particular allergen, like forever. Forever. Um. You know, there's some clinicians that might start to negotiate depending on the level of severity. If you're one of those clinicians, that's completely up to you and your clinical discretion. Um, I know that we recommend if somebody's demonstrating a type, a, an allergy type IgE reaction, we're recommending long-term avoidance because you never know when the severity of that reaction is going to change.
1: Perfect. Okay, so that's an IgE, immediate hypersensitivity, sensitivity reaction that we're calling allergy. What about IgGs, Michael? What about them? Right. These are different.
0: They're long living. Unlike Mm. your IgEs, they last much longer. Mm -hmm. Um, Their half-life is, what, four to six weeks or so, Mm -hmm. um, which means that somebody can be demonstrating symptoms from an exposure for even longer than that, two to three months.
1: And so when someone has a reaction to an IgG, we don't call it an allergy.
0: It's not an allergy. What is it? It's just not an allergy.
1: (laughs) It's a sensitivity. Yeah. So if someone has an IgG finding, don't say that they're allergic to something because that's not an allergy. That's a sensitivity. They've
0: got a food sensitivity. Right.
1: And these are delayed, which means you can have reactions to this particular antigen, whether it's food or whatever it is, days later and not really be able to connect that dot. Like, you get migraines later in the week or joint pain. That's that's
0: a pretty foreign concept to the conventional training, is it not? Very. The fact that there's these delayed type reactions, Mm -hmm. that they can be specific to foods and you They're going to create symptoms down the road, especially a lot of times, like you said, symptoms you don't associate with GI or even skin, but can be things like migraines and uh, and other things. I'll
1: tell you the reason why it's not fully accepted is there's not a lot of ton of literature around IGG food sensitivities, but there's more and more coming out. And it really comes down to that the the concept of using IGG testing to plan an elimination diet and decrease that antigenic load has shown some significant improvements in things like migraines,
0: yeah right or and, IBS and IBS. Symptoms, yeah. yeah, there's some studies where they've done IGG testing. They had the individual remove those particular foods and then saw improvement in their symptoms. So I mean, that's that's an outcome study that's that's pretty good when it comes to uh, for a functional medicine standpoint, what what we're doing as far as testing, treating, and then seeing what the outcome is. So you're right. The breadth of literature is not. Uh, extensive, but some of the literature that's there is very compelling.
1: Very true. And I would say, and another reason some of the conventional docs, and some docs don't accept it, is that whenever you eat food, your body is always constantly saying friend or foe, so there's a bit of an immune reaction. So they look at these tests and say, well, this is just telling me this is the food that they commonly eat.
0: Yeah, that's true. And that can be due to what, another problem when somebody has a lot of food sensitivity is permeability,
1: mm-hmm. increased
0: intestinal permeability. And so that is something that I look out for on an IgG test as well, especially if that thing comes back and it's lighting up like a Christmas tree right. where there's, it's looking like they need to go on an elimination diet, like meaning eliminate your diet type of an elimination <laughs> diet because everything is so reactive. Stop
1: eating forever.
0: Right. That's That typically is not a food sensitivity reaction to everything, that's more an indication of intestinal permeability. Because if you think about it, the, the more permeable the gut is, the more those fruit, food, what? Right. Okay, I'll try that again. The more permeable that gut is, the more food proteins will move across the lumen, get into circulation, and then you're going to mount an immune response to it. Right, So it's as simple as that. And
1: we talked about intestinal permeability and how the entire immune system is just upregulated. And so to Michael's point, we look at that IgG test and we see it lit up all the way across and we look at this almost as like a leaky gut clue, and use it that way.
0: That's right. That's right. And one of the things that's so handy about the IgG food sensitivity test is that, yeah, okay, all right, people. Go ahead. The elimination diet is the gold standard for determining Mm. food sensitivities. And it's awesome at that. And it not only does that, it tends to make people feel a heck of a lot better, Mm -hmm. reduces symptoms because they're eliminating, for most people, the top allergies. You know, corn, wheat, soy, dairy, egg. Oh my gosh, I just did it. Hold on, let me give myself a buzzer.
1: Allergens? What are you trying to say there? The The The
0: things that they're sensitive to. Yeah, so... The elimination diet is going to help with that, but a lot of people are not very compliant with it. Mm -hmm. That's one problem. You have to be so specific when you're charting out your symptoms because these are delayed-type reactions, and the elimination diet, when you reintroduce things, you wait three days before you move on to the next food to make sure you have no reactions. But sometimes the reaction can be so mild that you may not notice it in that three-day window. And so what I don't... I've had this experience a lot where we don't see any reactions after the first thing we introduce. We don't really see a whole lot after the second thing. But once you get to, like, the fifth and sixth things that that you're reintroducing, now all of a sudden they're starting to get all these symptoms and you're like... <sighs> Could it be a cumulative effect of all these things being back in the diet? I'm still not 100% certain which one of the things we reintroduced it is.
1: But then the other flip side of that is not only the elimination diet, but the gut healing protocols, which we've discussed on prior episodes too, also go hand in hand with that. Because just removing and decreasing that antigenic load, if there is intestinal permeability that's increased, you're going to want to help heal that.
0: You've got to do your 5R or your 4R. <laughs> Or however many. How many R's R's you want to pick? You've got to do that alongside an elimination diet. You can't leave that out because you're not going to fix the permeability factor. You're not going to repair the mucosal barrier, the mucosa of the GI tract. So that's critical as you're doing an elimination diet or whatever you're instigating. If you did an IgG food test and you've removed those particular allergens, then uh, yeah.
1: I do want to bring up two things. First and foremost, oftentimes when we're speaking to clinicians on the telephone and the IgG test is lit up like a Christmas tree and they're trying to plan an elimination diet, they know the patient's going to freak out because it's overwhelming. Like, there's no way I'm going to remove all of these foods, right? Right. So to Michael's point, you pick the heavy hitters and you aggressively heal the gut and slowly try to reintroduce. It doesn't mean that everything on that test you're never going to eat again. It's just You know, if if it's looking like leaky gut, you pick the heavy hitters and you heal the gut. The second point I want to break up, bring up, break up, bring up.
0: You're going to break up?
1: (laughs) We're not breaking up, Michael. Is that oftentimes the test comes back with an IgG reaction to mung beans. And the (laughs) clinicians will say. I hate that, man. I love (laughs) mung beans. Not even mung beans. Like, let's just say something like crab. And so the clinician will say, this patient says they don't eat that food. I don't. I don't even know what a mung bean looks like. What is this? How is this possible? What do you say to that? I've Never Michael? had red snapper in my <laughs> life. Right. So, but it's a common question we get. Right. So, what do you say to that?
0: Uh, do you what think I'd they're say
1: sneaking mung beans and, without telling the well, doctor? Well, you know,
0: I mean, everything these days are made with mung bean because <laughs> there's just a oh, a huge percentage of government funding that goes into mung bean crops.
1: <laughs> Truly, I don't think I've ever eaten a mung bean.
0: I have not. See? I, know, I, know. I mean, not that I know of. I, it's in everything. Apparently. You know, it's replacing the soybean. But yeah. Go ahead. aside from the supplemental mung beans that we might be all exposed <laughs> to, what I normally say is that the, the things that we're testing are called epitopes. What's an epitope? An epitope is a large food protein or it's a large pro- conglomeration of protein. It's, it's bigger than a protein in and of itself. So it's not so specific that we're testing something that's exactly unique to that food. We're testing an epitope, and epitopes can reoccur in different food families. They can reoccur across different species if we're talking about an animal product. So sometimes there's a, there's a cross-reactivity that's happening. So they're mounting a response to mung bean uh, when maybe they're actually sensitive to pinto bean. Right, Mung
1: bean just makes me laugh.
0: It's a funny name.
1: But it is, it's, it's just that piece of that protein part of that food that helps to define it, but that doesn't mean it's not in other foods as yeah. well. So it's like that molecular mimicry and cross-reactivity to so other So I normally foods. look to
0: like other things that are yeah. in the family or mm-hmm. things that are similar that they are eating, and it's probably that. Yeah. So it's, it takes a little bit of detective work sometimes, um, but, but that's the explanation for that.
1: So if you're out there, and you're a clinician, we're really working hard to ring this bell and change this paradigm of how people speak about these food reactions because we don't want you to look or sound dumb and we try very hard not to sound dumb because to use these words it's very it's very exact and you know if you're talking about someone who has a lactose intolerance and calling it a milk allergy that's not right yeah. allergies are ige sensitivities are delayed in igg non-immune reactions are just food reactions, that, and it's
0: really easy to do. Yeah, apparently we,
1: we get them all confused, but we're trying very hard to change that paradigm. Yeah, and so I think this is a good platform for that. Yes, even to educate patients that they're going to go on, and if you're going into a hospital or you're going somewhere on a plane, and they say, "Do you have any food allergies?" Be very specific with the word you're using with your patients, because these aren't food allergies if it's an IgG reaction. And they're going to go into restaurants and say, oh, I'm allergic to blah, blah, blah. And that's not the case.
0: It's not the case. I mean, it might be fine in the restaurant situation, because maybe they'll take it more seriously. And it'll help them to comply with their food sensitivity, or, you know, just be obnoxious. But... (laughs)
1: But I think it's important to educate. I mean, obnoxious to the chef, right? I just imagine like
0: chefs these days must be so frustrated (laughs) because we're actually becoming so health conscious.
1: But I kind of (laughs) of feel like the education of that, of these terms is important.
0: The other thing I was going to say is you want to look for families too, like food families, because sometimes you won't see a whole lot of things showing up on an IgG food test, but you might see everything of one particular category light, light up together. So a common example of that is dairy, where somebody might show up with a one-plus reaction in a food sensitivity test, but which you don't think is that big of a deal. We tend to look at the two pluses and the three pluses as the ones you really want to focus on eliminating. But if I see every single one of those dairy proteins lighting up, then I might warn the clinician that this patient needs to watch out at least for dairy because they're, they're sensitive to every single one of those proteins. Even though they're not mounting a huge response right now, mm-hmm. they might just want to be a little bit careful with it.
1: Yeah. I don't think I'm allergic nor sensitive to anything I just might not be in tune with my body.
0: Have you run a test? No. Oh man.
1: <laughs> I'm afraid. We should do it. Yeah?
0: Yeah. Mm. I ran one on me. It wasn't wasn't pretty. <laughs> it wasn't pretty at all.
1: Well, we all know that your brother's allergic to strawberries. <laughs>
0: <laughs> strawberries I was good on.
1: So random. You know, speaking of allergies. Uh huh. I think I'm actually having allergic responses to your jingles.
0: That's not cool.
1: Just saying. Not it's an cool, immediate man. reaction lol lol mm. speaking of mm-hmm. question of the day it's the question of the day question of the day see look hives
0: those are joy bumps <laughs>
1: Well, I guess what you're signaling here, not only trying to induce bumps, uh-huh. I, I'm not even going to go there, that you think it's time for question of the day?
0: Yeah, I do. All right. Question question of the of the
1: day. Day. What am the I going to anaphylaxis? The it's a
0: risk worth taking. No.
1: Question of lifelong the
0: avoidance.
1: day. Okay. I have to carry an EpiPen now every time we do a podcast. So, would you like to hear the question of the day, Michael Chapman?
0: Yes, lay it on me.
1: Another question that comes up all the time is when clinicians do our food antibody tests, uh-huh. we measure a total IgE level. Whoa! We do. What is just that? Just putting it out there. We're just measuring the total number of IgEs that circulate in your serum. Can no,
0: skip over the bottom of that page?
1: Stop. So we measure the total IgE. Yeah. Then later in the test, we're actually measuring reactions, IgE reactions to foods and allergens and blah, blah, blah. Now, the question we get a lot is, how in the heck is my total IgE high and all of these IgE reactions are negative? Yeah. What do you say to that?
0: Well, think about it this way, right? Your total IgE is is just that. It's how much IgE is is circulating. It's kind of like your overall allergenic load. And it's if you're running around with a high IgE, you're reacting to something, presumably. Mm-hmm. Um, and you would also expect that, that to correlate with like atopic symptoms, eczema, asthma, dermatitis, things mm. like that. So if we also do the additional testing, the follow-up testing with IgE inhalants, IgE molds, IgE foods, and you're not finding the smoking gun on those lists, then that just means that your sleuthing is not done yet. It means that there's Mm. something else that they're being exposed to on a regular, you would presume, regular basis that is triggering an IgE reaction because the total IgE is nonspecific. It's just telling you how much total there is. So to get more specific, you're going to have to identify what it might be that's contributing to that.
1: And we're not measuring every single food or inhalant or mold for IgE. No. So we picked a select few that are common. And they, they just may be allergic to something we're not specifically measuring.
0: That's right. You know, another reason why somebody might have a total IgE is gut-related. And mm. what might that be, Patty? Parasites. Wow. Because
1: remember we talked about IgE, the eosinophil protein X marker on the stool, GI effects, was Uh IgE mediated. And we talked about how it can be elevated in things like food allergies, boom, IgE, but also certain parasites. So you might want to just check in and someone who has a total IgE that's high if they have GI symptoms and whether or not a stool test might be something to consider.
0: Very good information. Thanks. Patty, it's time to do a disclaimer. Let's use an Oliver Drop. Okay. Well, how about we have him do his best Manchester disclaimer? Yes. The contents at Lab Reports are meant for educational purposes only and not to be misconstrued as medical diagnosis or treatment advice. Great. Thanks, Oliver. Thanks, Oliver. Next time on The Lab Report, we're going to have on Dr. Nate Bergman,
1: optimizing your aging
0: brain. Yeah, we need that. He's also the uh, host of the podcast Evolving Past Alzheimer's.
1: You've been listening to The Lab Report. If you like what you hear, please subscribe to our podcast, rate us, and leave us a review. To learn more about Genova Diagnostics, visit our website at gdx.net. There you'll find information on specific testing, educational resources, and how to connect with our show. Call us at 1-800-522-4762 or email us at podcast at gdx.net.
0: Oh, that's brilliant.
1: I love those Oliver Drops.
0: Yeah, me too. The only problem is I don't want to like overuse the Oliver
1: Drops. You can't help it. They're awesome. There's 13. Like the one where he's making fun of your gulping is my favorite.
0: Swallow quietly, Michael. Swallow quietly. There's 13 different Oliver Drops on here that we can use. I want to
1: use them all the time.
0: Oh, Patty, you're perfect. See?